0: Welcome to this week's episode of Can I Be Funny? I'm JQ, <laughs> and joining me today <laughs> is a very funny man, we're laughing already. It's Alan Power. Hello. How are you doing? I'm, I'm really good, actually, yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. So we met at a Lurgashaw gig, which is slowly becoming a Le- legend the of legends. Yeah,
1: yeah possibly the... It's one of those gigs that you do and it and makes you think that you're far better than you actually are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's nice, kind of that nice uh, out of London sort of gig where they, they just want to laugh at comedy. It's yeah. like it's not, they're not saturated by it. So it was, yeah, it was a, a pretty intense night.
0: How does that compare to the sort of other stuff that you've done?
1: Well, it, it, it doesn't really. No. It doesn't because it's a completely different, I mean... I'm, I, when I was there, I was, I mean, I don't know if you saw, I was, I'm always incredibly nervous before I go on, like to the point of not being, not being able to speak about to people okay. for most of before I go on. And uh, usually have, a you know, a couple of drinks or whatever before I go on, but it's, uh, which is something I need to stop doing. But it's, <laughs> um, but watching everybody else on, because I don't even, I hadn't met any of you guys nah. before. It, I, I had this fear because everybody had done so well. I had fear that I would go on and it would just be nothing. <laughs> like the And having, you know, talked about, how oh, I've done this and I've done that and then go up there and just be absolutely rubbish. But it was that amazing feeling of that they will literally laugh at anything I say. Mm. Anything. And I got, you know, some nice audience interaction. with. There was a girl who literally couldn't stop laughing, <laughs> which was never happened before. And I got so much out of that as yeah. well, which was really nice. But um, yeah, it, it doesn't compare. I mean, I think it's... There's, I've done some gigs that have been similar, especially in Edinburgh, I've done some similar gigs where it's been, you know, people are really there to have a good time, but mm. for I think for the most part, for the vast majority of what you, know, you do during the, during the year and during the week for new material and stuff, it doesn't, it doesn't really compare to it, but it's a, it's, you're doing a fighting for a different purpose as well, yeah. there's a different purpose behind it.
0: Going backwards now from that, what, what sort of got you into comedy in the first place?
1: I did comedy first... Well, I, I, cause I, when I finished school, I went and I studied acting for a couple of years mm. in Ireland before I came over to England and I did a degree in drama over here, but I started, I did like, we did, we did this, they did this really weird thing where in our uni where you do this thing called 24 hour theater where you've got 24 hours basically and they put you in these groups. Yeah. And you work through the night, basically. You've got 24 hours to write and produce and do like a play.
0: There's similar things for films as well. Right, yeah,
1: exactly. So we had, how it worked was we, we we all had a few hours together and then sort of by about midnight, we all went, the performers and stuff would go to sleep and the writers would write through the night into the morning. Right. So we had a guy who was like a film student write this script for us and when we got the script in the morning, it was like this... It was, you know, that film, The Transporter. Yeah. It was like sort of that. It was like had these drug deals and people, you know, having a mafia in Greece and all right. this stuff that there was just no way we could ever, ever put on stage. And so I, I thought I, I was only, only my first year then. So sort of I was only there about six months and I thought, um, right, we need to do something with this. Let's yeah. just come up with the weirdest thing we can come up with. And We came up with this really just this really silly story about um, a town kind of like, you know, uh, League of Gentlemen. Yes, it's that sort of a feel this town where people were turning into horses and they found out it was <laughs> this beer that they were selling was turning people into horses <laughs> and I mean I, I feel like I wrote most if not all of that and yeah. put it sort of helped to put it together and stuff and there was guys who ran a comedy night in the in they were in their final year they ran a comedy night in the university that came and saw it so they asked me to come do some stand up about two or three months later which I did which was okay and I got you know it was really good gig but it was because you know all my friends were there and it was that sort of an atmosphere where you didn't even have to be funny it was just that sort of performative atmosphere and I did a couple of gigs with them in a few places maybe about three or four and I did um, we myself and a friend started working together on like a double act and we knew there was a comedy club that started. I live in Kingston, so there's a comedy club that had started there a while previous, um, called Outside the Box. I don't. Know if right. It's run by a guy called Math Brown. I think I've heard the um, name, yeah. Him and and Ellie Quinn run it, and uh, we we sort of met them by going to this gig constantly, yeah. and we got some stage time there, which was <clears> I mean when I think back to what we did, it was honestly one of the worst things I've ever done. But it <laughs> it went okay, um, and we ended up writing a show and taking it to Edinburgh in two thousand and seven. So we did like... It wasn't a stand-up show. It was like a comedy play. Right, okay. And we got into the Pleasants. So they Ah. accepted us into the Pleasants in January and we hadn't even written the show. We just had this really (laughs) ridiculous idea about these two out-of-work detectives who were like trying to fight this evil supervillain who had retired but had now decided to come back. And we had built this big six-foot Tony Blair <laughs> puppet that you could like work from behind it. But then like two months before the show, Tony Blair was not Prime Minister anymore, so we had to rewrite all these bits. So, but it went okay, we got like three and four star reviews. Um, and then I, within that sort of year, I had started to become re- really, really ill. Um, so I had lots of uh, huge uh, health problems for quite a while sort of all all in my head it was all these weird anxiety (laughs) craziness that's just far too depressing to go into so after that I just stopped I didn't do anything for about uh, three maybe four years really yeah, and then I started doing a podcast with that guy, Simon Jenkins was his name. He was doing stand up at the time and he's since quit, which is a shame. Um, I hope he listens to this because it's a shame that he quit because <laughs> he's very good. And he, he's, he went back, he's from Portsmouth, so he moved back there. But before he moved back, we did this podcast for like two years, which was just a comedy podcast. But, you know, it was like a radio show basically. Right. It was just. It was funny and we had a good following and we ended up doing a live show of it Ah. and we got like 60 people coming from Wales to see it and all this sort of really weird stuff that happened. And then from there on, I just, as I said, I just stopped and I didn't do anything for maybe two or three years. Um, And I went to an outside the box gig um, about two years ago, I think, about this time, two years ago. Right. And I was talking to Math, and I was saying how I wanted to, I thought I might want to go and do stand-up again. I wanted to start again because the podcast had gone well, and I felt I could do that. Because, you know, for the podcast to the stage show, we'd done an hour on stage, yeah. ad-libbed. Right. We ad-libbed, double, like double-headed, or double-handed, or what, uh, uh, what, what, well, I just, I said the word a minute ago. <laughs> uh
0: a double act,
1: uh, double act. Yeah. we'd done a double act and we'd ad-lib for an hour and it was funny and it was ridiculous. So I figured I can do this, I can write some stuff and he was like, okay, so uh, I'll get you in here to do a, a gig and I was like, no, that's, that's ridiculous because I'm going to go do like an open mic somewhere or something, not a professional yeah. comedy night and then I got a, like an email from him, or from, from him or Ellie, I can't remember which one, saying, oh, you're booked to do five minutes this, whatever this week was, it was in the middle of March. Okay, so I wrote all this stuff for it, which was just awful. Right. And then rewrote it about a week before I actually did the gig. And it went fine. It was mm. fine. And it was just, I've just been doing it ever since. Nice. Yeah. And I mistakenly, <coughs> after that, did about maybe four or five gigs later, did a heat for So You Think You're Funny. Right. And I it was in Kingston, so I had a really good following yeah. at the gig. And uh, I got through the heat, went to the semi final in Edinburgh that year, and just was. Just, Quite clearly, not good enough. <laughs> like, just so obviously, on a completely different level of quality than the guys I was up against, who had been doing it for a lot longer. And yeah. even watching their YouTube videos before I went up, had been doing the same sets for like a while. I was still on my first five minutes.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, which also means I can never do that competition again. Yeah, it's a pain because which the, is a real pain in the arse
0: I've got to end. I've got to enter it now, otherwise I can't do it but I'm not good enough.
1: Well, so. yeah, you, you can't, yeah, you, I suppose. I think there's, I think you you can. I think they said from June last year, you
0: can't have done anything before June last year, which is exactly yeah. when I started doing it twice a week. So
1: yeah, but it, yeah, it just, and it bothers me because I kind of, I think I could do quite well in it now. Yeah, I can't, I'm not allowed, that's it. <laughs> so that's sort of nice way into getting some representation and some, you know, some gigs. Was it 2 Two
0: nineteen-year-olds that won it last year.
1: Yeah, a, a, a guy I know Ed Ed Hedges won it, who's a fantastic comedian, um, and he won it, and he's you know he's been doing really great off the bat yeah. and stuff. And I kind of look at it and I go, God damn it! If I just waited a yeah. year, I would have maybe not have got you know semi-final, but I might have got to the final, and that looks a lot better when you're applying for yeah. a gig. <laughs> so oh, so you think you're funny semi-final? Oh yeah, you and who else?
0: <laughs> Seven hundred people. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that, that's sort of the abridged version, I, you know, I could have dragged that out more, but <laughs> that's of really the abridged version of what sort of got me to, to doing this.
0: So I you've guess. only been doing it, so how long is it since then? Two I would
1: years? say, so yeah, two years. Yeah. I mean, the reason I, I stopped doing stand-up originally when I started doing it when I was about 20 was because I just didn't have anything to say.
0: Yeah, because I was thinking 219 19 19-year-olds winning, so you think, what, if, uh, what could they say? But then
1: you it's say just uh, something about anything. You know, like they've got it. a different way of looking at it, I suppose. Yeah. When I was doing it, I just didn't, I... And I think because I was sort of unwell at the time, I couldn't see the funny side of a lot of yeah, things, yeah. so it was it it sort of wasn't I was trying I should have talked about you know myself and what was happening with me, but I was trying to do this sort of bizarre comedy about these really ridiculous you know ideas I'd had, and it just didn't work, so yeah. I just stopped and I was like, "I'll do this again when I think I have something to say, and then you know happily enough, the subsequent years were incredibly eventful, so it gave me <laughs> a lot of stuff to talk
0: about. How do you extract um, funny out of what happens to you? Because I'm I'm working on this bit at the moment where my school photo, um, I grew up thinking my school photo was completely normal, right? And then my daughter had her school photo taken and it was pretty bland and boring. So I showed my wife my school photo and she said, what what the hell is that? We had our school photos taken with a hawk what yeah <laughs> so why that, i don't know i don't know was it called so like
1: hawk school or was it just <laughs> i'm trying to or was write it a bet <laughs> it
0: was a bet i don't know so i'm trying to sort of extract all these weird flamboyant things about why there would have been uh we had hawks like some sort of underground cult going on yeah. between the teachers or you know the poor school could only afford pigeons and the posh school up like the road they were riding around on swans. so i'm trying to write all this weird stuff but just from this one picture of me holding a hawk yeah can, how do you take something and just go?
1: I'm still trying to figure out when I get something that works where it's come from, but I, I think I'm able to track it back a little bit these days. But it's um, I what I tend to do is a lot of my jokes come from one-liners, so I don't do one-liners ah, on stage. But I right. will write a one-liner and then I'll write around that. Then because okay. I know I've already I've got the joke, I've got a at least a punchline there. Yeah. So I now know I can get um, something. I mean, for instance. I don't know if this is a good example, but I'll I'll throw it at you anyway. There's I did um, we were, when we were in Edinburgh this last uh, last year, we were do we did our own show, um, but there was a venue a slot in the venue came open, um, so we decided we'd take it and we do like a compilation show. So we would right. have like five or six comedians on a night and stuff. And one of them I decided to MC it, and it was my f- first sort of foray into MCing, which be- I did it because I had just been told I was going to do some MC work when I got back at Outside the Box. So okay. I was like, okay, I need to practice at yeah. this. I'd done a little bit before but nothing nothing sustained. I hadn't I hadn't done it regularly. I'd done a bit here and there for some preview shows and yeah. stuff. Um so I did um I did this I was I was MC and it wasn't going very well because I was trying to do my material MCing and I was like this is I, I'm I'm missing something here. Something's yeah. not clicking. Um and then a story came into my head because uh, I, I do a bit about where I got this really I got this black eye. Um I don't know if I showed you a picture of it. I was a really appalling black eye where I just like fell on my face Um, I was really drunk and I was running for a (laughs) boss and I fell over but I tell the story slightly differently and I make it a little bit more interesting Um, and I was talking talking about that and then I remembered a story um, about this thing that happened in Dublin where this mugger uh, it was like being mugged by a mugger who then went and mugged the mugger and got my stuff back so I just told that story really, really briefly and I got a laugh at the end of it and I thought, right, that's a laugh so that story is funny, so how can I build off that So I was thinking, right? I need a couple of things to lead up to it. So I, you know, I have, I, I, there's a couple of little, just little throwaway lines in the middle that always get laughs. So I know I can get before I even get to explaining what's happening in the story. I've got two or three laughs now, so that's three, and then I do the next bit, and I do another little bit about, oh, he comes back, and I have a little bit of a banter with him, and there's some more laughs there, and then you get to the crux of the story, and there's a big laugh, yeah, and then there's, then I I managed to write a punchline off the back of it. So it was kind of taking one thing and drawing, almost drawing, without physically doing it, drawing legs off it. Yeah. So it's like a spider gra- spider Blood diagram dugger. in your yeah. head, yeah. but for <laughs> stuff like the, the small stuff, so I'll get, I'm trying to think of an example of one, but I'm not sure how, how I've managed to do most of what I've done, and that is what I find so terrifying about it, because when I sit down to write something, I go, I, I don't know yeah. what my process is, I don't know how this happens. So I get a small idea and then try and unpack it. But what I've found is if I try to unpack the idea and then leave it for a while, yeah. I'll come back to it and pretty much straight away, I'll know whether I've gone on the wrong path with it. Yeah. And what I tried not to do is overthink it. So for instance, with the hawk thing, I think I'd probably try to make it as simple as possible because the fact that you've got this hawk in your hand is the real funny bit of yeah. it. So I don't want to take too much away. F- you know, I wouldn't want to take too much away from the fact that the hawk's there. Right, this is what I've come. So I've, I wrote that hawk
0: bit, yeah. And I thought, I have no punchline for this. There's no, there's no end. Yeah. So I thought, what could I do to make that funny? So I thought, why don't I bring out a hawk on stage and have it with me? And then I thought, why don't I get someone off, out of the audience, get them to pose with the hawk? I thought that could be quite funny. And then I thought, that's still not quite right. So the, what I'm working on at the moment is that the whole point of the routine is that. My sexual fantasy is women holding hawks, and I have to have a very complicated
1: setup. Set up to, actually, to get to yeah. get to that point, yeah. But I mean, that's that it's. I think it, you know the the idea there is you, you can you can really that's a great story because you can do so much with it. Because you could go well, look, how is this? Think about how is this the fact that I held you know there was a hawk in my yeah. school picture affected me in my life? Do I now have? <laughs> Everything I do has to have some sort of a a bird of prey involved in it, you know, and then start noticing things in your life that actually I've got this and I've got this and there's an, you know, I mean, I I think it's, it's, it's not being afraid to actually, I was talking to Ed Hedges recently and he said something interesting to me and he's like, he said, he you know, he's bought a book that he's writing, writing stuff in and he said he bought like a 40p exercise book. So he doesn't feel bad about writing you know, 40 pages on something that there's no funny in it because yeah. eventually something will come out of it. I think it's that idea of you've got to sort of throw a lot at the wall for something to stick. But it's just about exploring every possible angle. And my yeah. problem is sometimes is I, don't, I can't even think of a possible angle I could explore. Yeah. So I, I leave it. And something will come to me. So if I force it, I think I think that's why I'm worried about you know writing more and writing new stuff is that I a lot of what's happened I've I've come come across so far has been spontaneous. Yeah. And anything I've forced the writing of yeah. hasn't worked.
0: It's taken me two weeks to come up with that concept. I've had the photo idea. Yeah. And then it's taken two weeks. to just. Well, the,
1: the nice thing about it is because it's not a topical bit as well, no. That doesn't ha- you don't have to do that until you're happy with it. Yeah. But I mean, I've done a lot of MCing recently and what's really handy about that is I can try new stuff without it having to have any segue. I can just throw an idea or something, someone will say something that will trigger, oh, I have a joke, I'm writing about that, so I'm going to try this. Ah, uh, yes. But what I've started to do as well is whilst the other person's on stage, while I'm waiting to go back on and introduce the next person, I'll even if I'm not going to use it, I'll try and write something about a topic they've brought up. Yes, because it's bringing it's the topics I'm finding difficult. Yeah, you know that's and I'll write something topical. For instance, it's in the news, and I won't be happy with it until it's out of the news (laughs) and it's no longer any use
0: to me. I did only did that once. I had a gig at Angel, and on the front cover of the Evening Standard was (laughs) the the, uh, headline was Prince George named. Um, most influential man in Britain right and he's a baby yeah yeah so yeah I just did a little bit on. I didn't have the paper with me but I did a little bit on stage and of course I can't do that again now no. that, it was just that night that yeah. it
1: happened. well you can't do it again until he does something else yeah you know what I mean and <laughs> then you can, you can heart back to it I mean I, had, I a huge, had a huge bank of material on the Pope <laughs> from last year when the Pope right. quit but then this new Pope everyone seems to like him yeah. so I feel like if I do it they're not gonna they're not gonna it's not gonna fly you know I found ways around it and stuff but it's yeah, it's different, and I—I I mean, personally, like when you were saying about, you know, how do you talk about things that have happened to you? I mean, you—you've—you've you've seen me do one gig at least. Yeah. Most of what I talk about is stuff that's happened to me or about my family like the or toilet about, and stuff. Yeah, stuff like that. It's like <clears throat> I've started to realize by—I'll tell people things about my family and stories, and I won't think they're ridiculous. Yeah. And they're like, "What are you talking? What is this thing <laughs> you're telling me about?" And I go, "Oh yeah, that is actually." That is actually quite funny. So it's a matter of sometimes taking a step back as well mm. from the things you think are mundane and normal about you, yeah. but actually to somebody else are just completely bizarre. Yeah,
0: because I wrote the note about a photograph of a hawk in my notebook six or seven months ago. Never thought yeah. anything of it. I thought never thought, oh, that would be funny. But the first time I just said it on stage, everyone was just like, what? what? Yeah.
1: I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you what, there's an example of one where I've managed to take so much more and pull it out of it do you remember it was 2012 was the 100 year anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic yeah I got invited to a Titanic themed party which (laughs) I thought was just incredibly bad taste (laughs) right and it got me sort of thinking about how long is it until tragedy becomes acceptable as um you know recreation. Yeah. So I started thinking about things like 9-11 Jenga, and <laughs> and how you know I can't. Yep. I, sorry, I can't make it to your uh, Titanic uh, Titanic party because I've got you know a Clapham train disaster bar mitzvah <laughs> later that evening, and and then I found this like you can get this little um, it's a tea strainer. That right. Looks it's called a Titanic. And it's like, and you, it sits like upright in your cup of tea, and strains it. So, I thought, I mean, that's where the and that's given me so. I don't have piece them together yet, but yeah. that's given me so much to work from. I can just look at all the possible disasters there are out there and try and find <laughs> the most inappropriate thing. But because I'm coming at it at the angle of not, isn't it funny? Wouldn't it be funny if we made nine yeah. eleven Jenga? It's, wouldn't it yeah. be awful if we made it? And that's where I suppose the comedy yeah, comes out yeah, of it. Yeah, that's good. That I can't remember who said it, but I thought a really good phrase for comedians. I think it was on. Another podcast I've listened to was that the joke, in my opinion, always has to aim up, so no, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to take the piss out of people who are already downtrodden. Yes. I'd rather aim the joke back at myself or yeah. back at us so I'm, without yeah, sounding you know that I'm, I'm holding a mirror up to the audience. <laughs> yeah. sort of thing it's, it's sort of that idea. so when I when I talk I talk a lot about Ireland without I was always afraid of becoming or not becoming but being or being seen as being sort kind of an Irish comedian yeah. and tee to to toe. And I think I've avoided that and um, um, the way I've done it is while taking the piss out of myself I take the piss out of British culture as well yeah. so I go yeah we're bad but let's face it guys you know you're not <laughs> you're not you're not too much better yourself like to, uh, to thinking about the commonwealth recently and I thought that you know the commonwealth is like um, you know like do you know if you, if, you, if you have a friend who has like a girlfriend who's broke up with him but he's still after years obsessed with them. no All right, that was me for a while <laughs> for a long time it, but I've got a friend who's like that and you know he keeps going back to the same girls and stuff and I always thought that the Commonwealth countries are kind of like that, right? Yes, yeah. you know they, you know, Britain rings them up and was like, "Yeah, we got this games," and then they turn up, and all the other ex boyfriends are there. But they ring Ireland, and I was like, "No, nah, I've got things to do." But, You know, if we need something, we're like, "Hey, remember those great times we had? Can we borrow some money." But this, I think, that even though it's it's only touching on Sato, there's something in there yeah. that I can now start to pull out of it, and um, it's yeah, it's it's sort of it's about unpacking it, I think. But I yeah. think it's that weird thing of i write one liners but never use them as well
0: yeah i can't write one liners
1: i can't I, I they're there but they yeah. don't they're not funny enough to
0: use yeah cuz i just i don't think i could ever write a right. pun it's just it, nothing occurs to me that goes to say a few words on the end and that yeah a pun. i think
1: that's what twitter is really handy for is mm. forcing you to do that so i yeah. keep telling myself i should write one joke a day <laughs> yeah um and and see what happens with it um but I'm, I'm just, I never get around to doing it. I, I think I, I only write one when, when I think of it. Whereas I should be sort of forcing myself to do, yeah. it, pick a topic every day or whatever. But I think it's, it's not that I'm lazy. It's just that I'm finding, I find because of where my work hours are, you know, I can be working till eight one night and then in eight in the morning till five. And I just my downtime, I don't, I don't feel like doing anything. Mm. And I need to, you know, change that. That needs to be. And I haven't done a gig in like a month because really? of I just working in, in a retail over uh, Christmas is just Im- not impossible but I don't know how you could do it and stay sane yes you know right. have you done any gigs in 2014 no no first one's on Monday Ooh, where is it uh, Charlie's Charlie Wright's ah of course yes yeah, so I'm emceeing um, <coughs> that with three other not three other guys at the same time obviously but <laughs> we take them a, a week each out of the month um, so that should be good fun so I did, I did quite a few there when I was sort of uh, not starting because I still am, but sort of right at the beginning I did yeah. a few there, and then you know a few more as it went on. So it's I, I know the gig quite well, so I quite enjoy it there. I've only done it once, and it was very quiet, so it's yeah, quite it, difficult. It can be, but I think the the way it's you know the way they're going with it now, I think it's going to be different because. It was always sort of a sort of a turn up on the day sort of thing. But yep. a lot of it's getting, so they're, they're, you know, pre-booking 10-minute slots and stuff. So they're getting some really good comedians down there. So from what I've been hearing about it recently, it's been really picking up. And ah, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's becoming the night it always had the potential to become, I right, guess.
0: Yeah, because Angel Comedy is just unbelievable. <clears throat> it was there last night. And have you been in the room at all? Have you no, been? I haven't actually. It's probably, say, six times the size of this room which obviously helps listeners imagine what size it is. Yeah, but yeah. It's a big, it's a room above a pub, so it's like a big, it's where they have their dining room. Yeah. Um, and it was completely full. There was people wow. standing all the way around, like they were sitting down um, just on the floor.
1: They probably couldn't even see the stage. It was yeah. that
0: grand, but it still didn't get much of a laugh out of them, yeah. which is I weird. think
1: gigs like the Cavendish are nice of that because you're guaranteed an audience and you're yes. guaranteed a stage, but my difficulty with it is that because it's a bringer, I find it really hard to get somebody to, still be willing to come along yeah. with me and my girlfriend works late these days so I can't drag her along um <laughs> and I've it's been... it's it's not even yeah. and it's, it's interesting it's not even that people don't want to see it it's just that it happens so regularly I can't find somebody every yeah none every of time my I need
0: one. real friends have actually been to any of my gigs yet yeah they're all sort of like work colleagues or people that work yeah. in the area I've found I mean um a few friends have been thinking that every gig we've been to there's one thing that's wrong with it like with camera you have to bring a friend. Yeah. And it's got the random drawer. Um, other places, the microphone doesn't work properly. Yeah. N- another place, the stage would be too small. Yeah. Or there's always one, have you found that? I yeah,
1: I don't think there's, I don't think there's ever a perfect room. I think you got to, you've almost got to make, make, use of what you've got but Mm. i think yeah i don't i don't think i think the problem is there isn't there isn't a perfect formula because everyone has a different some people like the that random yeah i don't mind the random thing um because if i know when i'm going to go on i know when to get nervous right so if i can trick myself into not knowing when to get nervous (laughs) it's okay the downside to it is getting drawn first in a crowd that gets that crowd gets really 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 good about 20 minutes in once they've had the drinks and stuff in yeah. which is like every crowd really and because there's i suppose there's no real warm-up act it's just straight into the open mic stuff yeah you've really yeah. got to hit the ground running yeah um but yeah it's uh, the first time i was there i got into the the clap off
0: yeah, it took me five attempts
1: i came second but never got into it after that
0: ah <laughs> yeah,
1: never even got bought a drink after that Jeez. yeah,
0: yeah. it's it's a, it's a weird one that isn't it
1: yeah because
0: i've i've done gigs there where i've fumbled my lines and completely mucked it up and then obviously not got bought a drink and then the guy that was on a couple after me fumbled his lines but he did it better than me Yeah, uh, and then got bought a drink yeah. so it's it's a weird sort of
1: but i think as well when i when i was doing the cavendish quite a bit um i was also the way i approached comedy was quite different ah um so especially since since edinburgh because edinburgh i did i think i did about 50 gigs in 3 weeks so i just did like Anything that was handed to me, and yeah. the way I, I, before that, if I was on stage and somebody spoke to me, I I was thrown. Yeah, my, me last You know, night. and I had to have my stuff. I don't write. In, I don't write stuff on my hand anymore. I barely write a set list. I sort yeah. of know the ins or ins and outs of what I want to do because I. It distracts me. If yeah. I know it's on my hand, I'll second guess myself <clears> and I'll check it. Yeah. Whereas if I just if I forget what I'm doing next, I've got stuff in the bank I can use and then yeah. I'll come back to it. Um, but. And if somebody talks to me, I can banter with them because I've done it, enough emceeing to be able to yeah. do that. So it's a completely different approach, I think, for me now. Um, but I also had this idea in my head that when I went to do it... Because you did a comedy course. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't do one f- because I was offered this other gig. And I was like, well, this is as yeah. good a kick up the arse as any to go and do it. And it's not going to cost me anything. Yeah. So I thought that's <laughs> probably the best way to go about it. and um, Because no one ever told me you don't have to do a different five minutes at every gig... I was doing a different five minutes at probably my first 15, 20 gigs. Yeah, that's the mistake I made. Complete about. different five minutes, and it was just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, a lot of, I was speaking to a guy last night, I can't remember his name. He, been, he's been a professional for like 10 years, and he said he did exactly the same thing, just doing different
1: things every time. It was just... I mean, I, I, I in Edinburgh, I did 50 gigs, mm-hmm. and I did almost... Not the same stuff for 50 gigs, but I did the main body of what I was doing because the times changed a lot so I had to so you'd go from five minutes to I think I did 21 just off the cuff because the guy who was on after me hadn't turned up yet (laughs) they just kept doing this and I was like I was having a great time so I was like yeah keep going that's fine Um, Uh, but it's the the stuff I was doing barely changed so it was the main crux of what I was doing was the same and then there was different bits I'd pull in and out and try different jokes that I'd come up with and stuff I mean for me Edinburgh wasn't the place to write new material it was the place to hone what I already had yeah meet people and get gigs when I got back and it was sort of a means to an end and it was another way to try out sort of banter and things like that. Um, And it worked. You know, it's it's gotten me quite a lot of gigs since I've got back, um, which is really nice. And I've got, you know, getting asked to do gigs is just the best feeling.
0: Yeah, I've been asked to do two or three, which is great. Yeah, Uh, Not prepared for any yet, obviously. (laughs) So where would you put yourself in the sort of comedy career ladder at the moment?
1: Uh, probably still trying to find where the ladder is to begin with so I don't think I don't think it's even I don't think I've, I I have wouldn't even say I've I'd I'm, say I'm in the the ladder is probably in a different town to me at the moment but I'm I've, just trying to find the ladder on top I'm just the trying there. to figure out how you buy a ticket today. that's all I'm trying to do at this point um, I don't know I, I think I've you know I've gotten paid a couple of times here and there and I'm about not about to but I'm going to be paid another couple of times in the next few months but until I think I can sustain at least part-time until I can work part-time and pay for the rest for comedy I would say that's when I've put a foot on there and then yeah. I can start moving I don't want to kid myself into thinking that um, I, I, mean, I I don't I don't like to say I'm a comedian as well so I still tell people where I work rather than um, which is actually a lot of people say they don't tell people they're a comedian because then they say ask and tell a joke but that because happens, I work in yeah. Apple right. it's worse to tell them you work in Apple because the second I do <laughs> a phone comes out yeah. or oh, I've got this problem with my Mac and I'm like I'm <laughs> So I, it's you know it's it, it's a toss up. If they've got an iPhone, I might lean to the other side. It really depends. But I don't. I firmly believe I'll get there yeah. in terms of on that ladder. But when and how I have no idea. Yeah,
0: because I've only been doing it for
1: seven months, maybe. Yeah,
0: it was gig number fifty last night. Wow. So that's
1: a lot, man. It's not. It's more than I did in seven months. But then, how good were you after that? Well, that's not for me to say, is it? <laughs> I mean, when I went, before I got went to Edinburgh, I was on gig 50. Right. So I doubled my gigs. Yeah. Um, but I think I chose my gigs quite carefully. Okay. Um, and How
0: often were you doing it when you first started per week, do you think? When I first
1: started, very, very infrequently. Oh, okay. So I was doing maybe two or three a month. Right. And then once September hit, I started doing it. Uh, I was because I, I was away for about a month in the summer I went to Poland um for football and then I went to Greece on holidays and when I came back I was like it was after so you think you're funny and I, I kinda hit a, a road where I was like right I haven't I barely got any laughs Daniel Sloss was in the crowd and saw me die on stage <laughs> um, and I thought "Right, I've got two choices here I can either give up yeah or I can start completely from scratch and approach this a different way so I did the yeah. second option That's and exactly I started I did, from, yeah. started from scratch completely threw out all of my material of which there was a good solid three minutes of funny, (laughs) and started again and said, right, I'm going to go up and just do bits. And I'm doing five minutes of these things. I don't need to connect them all together all the time because that's not what I'm here to do in five minutes. I'm not here to, you know, weave you a a fantastic hour-long tale where there's a moral at the end. That's for years down the line. So um, I did that, and that started to work. And then I was doing maybe two or three a week, sometime on a bad week, maybe one, on on a worse week, none. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I was doing that. And then when I got back from Edinburgh this year, I didn't take a break and I went at it really, really hard on because t- I knew I was going to find it difficult in December and November. And then I stopped at the start of December and I'll start back again at the end of the month. And I'm, because my job role and work is changing, so I'm going to have more free time ah. in the evenings. Mm. Um, so I'm going to try and, you know, really make a go of it come February. I've got like, I've counted, them. I've got 15 gigs booked up until April. That's and they're job. all really nice ones as well, which is good. So there's only maybe one or two open mics and the rest are not paid. So Well, some are, but the rest aren't paid, but they're not open mics at the same time. Yes, yeah. If you know what I mean, um, which is really good. So I've got some really nice ones coming up. And I, I, from doing Outside the Box, I got in contact with somebody in Covent Garden. So I've got some nice gigs in the club there, yeah. um, which I'm hoping goes well, because fingers crossed I can get some more off the back of it. Yeah. So, And because I've, I know I've got 10 to 15 minutes of what I would consider really solid stuff so yeah. the 15 minutes I did when you were there yeah. I, that was probably only 10 minutes worth but because they couldn't stop them laughing yep. <laughs> it dragged on for another 6 minutes mine so I, was 7 that dragged out if 10. I had an audience like that yeah. every night I could probably throw out a 20-25 off yeah. the top of my head but that's not going to happen so <laughs> I know I've got 10 minutes and I know if there's a, a decent gig I can, do, I, can I, I can do what I consider my best so if I go to somewhere so I'm doing you know Just the Tonic you heard Just the Tonic. I've heard the name. Yeah. They run loads of venues in Edinburgh, and they run gigs there as well. And they've got a uh, like a showcase called Big Value. Yeah. And they do auditions for it during the year up in Leicester, and they have usually three gigs. They have a more uh, sort of an early gig, um, an afternoon gig, and an evening gig with maybe three or four comedians on each one. Yeah. So you basically go up audition if you're good enough, they'll put you on that. So I'm I'm doing that at the start of February, and I know that if I don't get it, it's because I'm not there yet. Yeah. But. I'm okay with I'm kind of okay with that. if You yeah. know what I mean. So I know that I've got ten minutes, but this is the best ten minutes I've got. So there's no point in me worrying about why I didn't get on it because I know that that's as good as my ten minutes is now. It it can only get better. Yeah, I hope. I mean, it's blind <laughs> optimism, but because what I'm
0: struggling with at the moment is is remembering details in a set because it's it's all the sort of the sides and the toppers yeah. that I can't. It, they just disappear out of my brain when because I, I can tell the story of whatever subjects I'm thinking of and I can remember the punchline but yeah. it's just filling the little way you're supposed to put it, just to keep rolling laughs yeah. going on
1: I think I mean when I was doing theatre and stuff I did quite a bit of um, improvising and stuff like that so I've directors always found it difficult to direct me because I refused to stick completely to the script because if yeah. I felt the line sounded better this way I'd just do it that way Yeah, and I would do it with like Beckett and that you're just not supposed to do that <laughs> Um, which I eventually when I eventually went on stage did not do that but um so I, as long as I know what the joke is, I can tell it in five or six different ways. Right. And actually, what's, what's nice is I know my material and I know what I'm, and I'm confident in it so much now that I can sort of change it on the fly. So I did a gig recently in Soho in um, the Blue Posts, yeah. which is this Italian comedy night. Is, how is that I've yeah I, was, I, I had it. just the best night it was just I had so much fun and I was, there was three English speaking comedians there and I didn't know anything about the gig I had met the guys who run it at Funny Feckers, which is right. where I've gotten a hell of a lot of gigs from ah. um, I mean it's a great gig to be at but it's also uh, it seems to be frequented by really good people
0: I've seen a lot of comedians just go there just to watch yeah which yeah. is unusual
1: yeah well that's what I found strange about it as well and it's it, because of the atmosphere that is fantastic yeah. you know um, but uh, so I, I, turned up a bit late cause I'd come from work and I was expecting it to be like some Italians in the audience, some English people in a bit of a mix. And when I got there, I was standing, I, I was standing like, have you been to the blue post upstairs in the blue post? Is it the one just down the way from here? Yeah. So you, it's like really narrow staircase up and you've got this little room with a bar upstairs, like wooden stairs. So I walked in and I could see the person on stage. And after 10 minutes, I realized that not a word of English had been spoken <laughs> since I got there. And this went on for a good half an hour, 45 right. minutes of no English. I was thinking, oh, my God, how am I going to do de- I mean, not only am I I'm an English speaker, but I've got an Irish accent. This is going to be really <laughs> difficult. And uh, John, do you know John Wood? Yes. John Wood went on and he did well. And I was thinking, OK, so if he's done well, that means that, that it might be all right. But I knew I needed to tweak some of the sort of... Even the Irishness, tone it down just a little bit and tweak some stuff to make it more understandable. So instead of using really specific slang, work it around. And I just, it was just, I had so much fun with it. It was just fantastic. Really, really good, fun gig. And I think because I was so, like, this could go... And what was really funny about it was that they introduced me on at the wrong time. (laughs) Right. And they introduced the English-speaking comedians on in English and the Italian comedians on in Italian. Yeah. But she introduced me but didn't say it in English. <laughs> so the only word I understood was my own name. And I was like, I was like, I had a pint my I was like,
0: Fuck, I better just go on
1: stage. So I just went on and start, I quickly riffed on the differences between Ireland and England and how they've got, I think said something about a flag and how, um, you know, I think I said something about they've got nice food, we've got potatoes, you know, you have to get a trade up somewhere. And there was, I can't even remember what I said with it, but it, it seemed to just click really quickly with them. And I did this really weird joke that I was trying out about that guy that nailed his testicles to Red Square. Oh, yeah. But the, it needed them to understand, and I'm sure they understand the concept of apathy, but perhaps not the word apathy. Yeah. And I don't think they did, because <laughs> that's what he was protesting against, and that's was the crux of the joke. And it didn't work, but the rest of it was really good and there were, there's a joke I've got about eating people's snotty tissues because I think that the easiest way to lose weight is to be ill um, and they're the only people who have ever laughed at it without grimacing ever <laughs> they're disgusting, wonderful people <laughs> they they loved it, but it was just and it was that that's when I walked when I walked home after that gig I walked back to the tube after that gig, I had that thought in my head where I was like i I, I think I can do this yeah I, Really think I can do this? If I can walk up in front of a crowd that doesn't speak English as a first language and change my stuff on the fly so quickly yeah, without yeah. pre-planning how I'm going to change just change it as I'm going, I, I can not necessarily do anything, but I can at least give it a good shot.
0: Because yeah, I did funny feckers on Wednesday and it went really well. Uh, <laughs> uh, people come up to me afterwards saying, "Oh, it was, it was good." I said, "I've been only doing it seven months." and no, "It doesn't seem like that." I was like, oh, "Brilliant." The angel last night died horribly. Yeah. I was just like,
1: "Oh, God. it happens," you know, it happens and. I mean, I'm never. I don't think I'm ever one to blame the audience because I think that's it's fruitless. I mean, there's no point. Um, but I always feel like unless it's raucous laughter, I don't hear the laughter very well on stage. Not that it's not that I audibly can't hear it. I just I don't see it happening. Yes, I know, just. Yeah, I know and you know, I know, you know everyone does that. I just pick out the one person that's not laughing.
0: Well, last night the whole crowd just sucking the energy yeah. out of me. But
1: then bizarre. I challenge myself. I'm going to make that person <laughs> laugh by the end. If I can get a giggle out of them, I go. Well, that gig must have gone all right. <laughs> but I did I remember doing one I remember doing one recently that was quite tough it was sort of um, and and sort of an odd enough venue but um, and I remember one girl being in the audience and just just refusing to even smile Um, and I I couldn't couldn't break her and it just threw me and I knew I was completely and the reason that gig went bad it was completely my fault I should have just ignored her and moved on. Yeah,
0: because I think... Because the crowd were very hard last night, but then I was thinking, well, I don't have the skills yet to be able to turn yeah. them around. Yeah. Because Barry, the MC, went on and was getting loads of laughs out of it. Yeah. They were laughing, but just, like, 50% of what a normal yeah. reaction... Even the jokes
1: that I know get laughs. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's... I think, you know, when you've got... The, the, I think the stuff I do lends itself to pulling back an audience after not necessarily having lost them but i think i can pull them back a little bit easier because it's that bit more conversational because i stopped scripting yeah my stuff completely i don't script it i just top bullet because i if i script it i'll stick to it and i don't feel like there's any i feel quite rigid in it, and i don't like that because yeah. on stage i'll realize that actually this is a better way to say it and if i deviate from that then i'll you know i forget what i'm doing yeah. so um but because it's kind of conversational and i can kind of and I think, and I I know this is, is is sort of unfair to say, but I think being Irish, I can get away with more sometimes.
0: Yeah, as I say, do you think you've got a little bit of a pass?
1: I think in in some senses I do because I kind of come out of that nudge and hey hey, do you know yeah. what I mean? Well, isn't that funny? I'm Irish, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's not I, just
0: the Irish. Anyone that's not from London. Yeah,
1: I, I think sometimes it, it it definitely helps. I think it gives me a pass sometimes. I think it does, yeah. and I think people expect me to have that bit of banter and bit of cheekiness to it and i think i've got that cheekiness and i've got that kind of wink and but i don't want to play on it too much but it's there and i wouldn't even call it a crutch it's it's just that's part of where i'm starting to find without you know find your voice yeah but you have to i think you've got to find how you would say a joke as opposed to how so if that's why i don't write the jokes down because how it comes out of my mouth is going to be completely different. Yeah, because
0: the only the nearest I've ever got to that is when we did the gig in show and I was doing, I said, um, it was going on about Nando's, and all, everyone's got their favourite. Yeah. Then I realised these are all posh people that've never been to it, so I said, yes. oh, obviously you lot don't. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And they they laughed loads at that. Yeah. And apparently they were talking about that for a couple of weeks afterwards. Yeah. Which is bizarre.
1: Um, that's the nearest I've got to it. what I found interesting about that gig afterwards was the 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 women at it were like, they were I mean they were. Posh women are incredible, that's all I'll say, but <laughs> I had, I, this is the thing that came into my head and I can't remember, I think it was because, I think they might have mentioned my accent when I was talking to them, but I did a gig a while ago that I was emceeing and I had, I, I felt like it was going really well, or I felt it was going okay, but these guys come up and told me that they thought it was really good and stuff, this couple, and um, they were like, oh, you know, you're dangerously on fire today and I was like, oh, cheers, I just at the bar waiting for a drink and they were kind of laughing, laughing, ha and then the guy turns to me and goes, I want you to fuck her while I watch. What? And i kind of laughed and went no no <laughs> and then i quickly realized that this wasn't a joke so i was like no I my girlfriend's over there and they went she can join in i mean, i don't think that's gonna happen so they, they said to me how much drink do you think you would need and i said i don't think it's possible for you to buy that much um but that was just and that that's the first time i think that's ever happened to me anywhere yeah. ever and that i kind of when i did that i was like i must be doing something right, right you know but that was, yeah, I just thought that, that just have to tell you that, that was quite funny. I think it's great when,
0: when you do a gig and other comedians say that you've done well because you know it's genuine. Yeah. It's, if you don't like somebody, you won't bother talking to them. No, exactly. So that was what was good on Wednesday. Everyone was saying it was great. Yeah. And on yesterday, no one said anything. So I you... think
1: that's who I'm more nervous about when I do a gig. Yeah. I, I don't, it's, the audience doesn't like me, the audience doesn't like me, and I've tried my best. Yeah. But if the other comedians don't like me, I feel, because they, they it's it's like another magician not liking another magician because he knows what you know he they know how it's done they they've yeah. seen behind the curtain so they know what they know what you're doing and I yeah. think if I was if somebody caught me out on stuff I think I'd be really upset by it you know because like I was saying earlier on a lot of the stuff I I do has things have happened to me but not the way I tell them
0: right so you embellish them slightly
1: or, or sometimes <laughs> not make them up but well, mate, I, things almost happen to me and then I imagine what would happen if uh. those things happened to me and then I tell the story. <laughs> so it's almost like, it's, because I, it's, you've got to, I think you've got, not you've got to, I feel like I've got to have a little bit of a character and my character is this person who all these awful things happen to, yeah. but still, and find, can, but see the funny side in them yeah. and has, you know, all these awful uh, things their family says and stuff, but, you know, sees the funny, and that's, Sort of, that's true, that's the way things are with me, but I have to embellish him a little bit, yeah. I feel. And I think people do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
0: The um, the story about the guy in the toilet, how true
1: was that? Which one?
0: With the popping it
1: out. Oh, that happened, but
0: right. it, it it's...
1: Don't want to give any punchlines away. That happened, but it didn't happen to me. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but it did happen, that is a true story, but... It's an, The reason I say tell that story as me yeah. is because the I found the audience find it funnier if I tell the story as yeah. me than as somebody else.
0: Yeah, because you, if you just say, oh, this happened to my mate, yeah. it's a bit exactly. disconnected, isn't
1: it? Yeah, that's what I feel. And a lot of stuff, not a lot of stuff I tell. And I think the thing about it is, and some because I said this, I had a conversation with another comedian about this um, months, months and months ago. So when I started first telling the joke, um, and I said... He said, first of all, don't tell people that it's not, that didn't happen to you, which I've now done <laughs> on a podcast. Um, but he said, it doesn't matter that it didn't happen to you. It's your joke. Yes. You know, somebody told you that story, but they just told you the story of this guy did this thing and you turned it into a joke. And I don't, I think, you know, you don't, Martin Scorsese says he doesn't get, you know, pulled, that he has Oscars taken off him and they say, well, you you know, none of those things happened to yeah. you. in those films you directed (laughs) so I mean I don't see I don't see why it should be different than any other form of entertainment and I think actually that just because necessarily either it didn't happen exactly that way or it didn't happen to me I don't think there's any less truth in it yeah personally because if it's not believable they won't believe me and that's that and I don't try and do the whole oh this is a true story and that because I think yeah. when you say that they instantly and when something has genuinely happened I feel like I should say no this genuinely happened but the more I say it the less they then believe me yeah if they don't believe me and they think it's too far fetched they'll think it's too far fetched whether it's true or not so yeah oh,
0: yeah because I used to do a genuine this genuinely happened to me thing a couple of people said to me afterwards if you say that then we don't believe the rest of it yeah you don't believe the rest like, of yeah, it yeah okay I'll, I'll stop saying that but
1: do you know I, I think if you've enjoyed it and you've laughed at it yeah. well then what's the matter that it's not 100% true because I, I don't tell anything that's that's a lie yeah you know like for there's a, a bit I do talk about my dad where he talks about, I talk about badgers and the things and stuff he said he said those things but not necessarily about the exact same so right. I've had to work them yeah, so yeah. they make sense because if, if I tell the story the way it really happened it's not funny it's too complicated so I've got to abridge it
0: yeah, like this
1: happened to an aunt's friends. if I just say it happened to my mum yeah. the story's instantly funnier yeah. if I say it happened to me I think it's funnier again yeah because I haven't actually stolen a Lego Death Star I was thinking about you um, <laughs> yesterday because sometimes I'll come up with an analogy but I won't have anything to attach to it yet. Yeah. So I'll say that's like or that's like and I'll have them aside so when I come up with a joke, I'll go, oh, that'll work there. Yeah. So I came up with one something that's really difficult which is it's like trying to pry two short, two small Square pieces of Lego apart, it's like those <laughs> things are fused together for the rest of time. You know, you can put them into a nuclear reactor and they are not coming <laughs> apart.
0: Yeah, I've heard a few Lego jokes. I think I wish I could steal that. One of the uh, an MC at um, Cavendish, I did my stuff about Lego, and he came out and said, oh, "When um, you know, when Lego men walk around, they feel that pain of stepping on a Lego brick every single step they take." <laughs> That's wonderful. Which is, I can't steal. That's it. It's really good. It yeah, a
1: friend put a friend put something up on Facebook yesterday. And I, I even searched it on Google to see if anyone had said it before, but I, I'll say it now so I don't, I this will stop me stealing. <laughs> so Fred put it up and he said that if um, uh, Jay-Z tied balloons to each one of his 99 problems, he'd have a much better story. <laughs> I that's a really lovely thought. It's like such a, and when I read it, I was like, oh, you bastard. I so <laughs> wish
0: I'd come up with that. Have, has any of your sort of punchlines been written by another comedian while you've been sort of chatting to them about one. it? One. He
1: actually messaged me on Facebook and yeah. said, "Do you want this joke? I've written it, but I don't think it suits my set." Ah, okay. Um, which is about uh, it's part of the badger call story, um, and it's about uh, where the the um, minister of health was on like the news, and he was saying that the badger call is really difficult because the badgers move the. Co- it's slightly changed from what he said, but it's it, it's the same. It's in essence this is his joke, but he gave it to me before a pint that I still owe him. <laughs> um, but he said, like I see, the minister came out and he said, oh, you know, the Badger call has been really difficult because the Badgers have moved the goalposts. And I thought, that's ridiculous, you know, the Badgers come up with this plan. And then he said it's made it even harder because the people involved in the call, their names have been leaked on Facebook. And although he didn't explicitly say it, you felt like he was blaming the Badgers for it. <laughs> like they got tech savvy. And that he gave, gave me that joke and I was like, oh, that, you know, that's actually going to work really well. And it does. It works really nicely in there. Um, and that's the only one I think that's ever that's the only one that I've ever been given by a comedian but I've had people I've been in conversations with people and they've said something and I've said please can I use that and I have a couple of times
0: yeah I've got two that have been one was specifically written by someone else used to say it's just one it's just two words just saying you slag at the end of this this, um, camp thing which makes the joke about 10,000 times funnier than it actually is and then the Lego Death Star bit um, he gave me the idea of how to get the punchline for that yeah but um, I find punchlines difficult to write at the moment because I have all these ideas but just no nowhere to go and I don't have time to practice them because you've got five minutes you yeah.
1: can't well, you know that story the, the, the mugging one <clears throat> yeah the bit the bit that gets a really good laugh in that is when the, I say that the guy asked me for my wallet and I said no I need that and that was a, I just said that one yeah. day and realised that's a joke in itself yeah and I think that's how I think there's a lot to be said for writing on stage so I think if you can come up with the seeds of a joke. Yeah. So for instance, like um, I came up with a, a, one, like a joke about, um, oh, I've eaten roadkill and it didn't taste that bad. The only problem was the kids' parents were livid. And <laughs> there's like, I've started to extrapolate stuff out of that. But the, the way to tell that joke and the way to properly get the punchline out of it didn't come until I tried it in, on yeah. stage. And I think there's, you know, these, these five-minute these five gigs, I don't think you should look at them and this is what I made the mistake of doing for probably a year. I don't think you should look at them as these gigs I have to do well all the time. I'm looking at them now as I have got five minutes to re- literally just list off every joke that I have written in the last week. Right. And without without being an arse about it and standing up there and ticking them off and going, oh, did you find that funny? Yeah. Did you find that funny? But being able to go up and say, I'm going to try some new stuff. And I think if you... There's two trains of thought on this. Don't tell them you're doing new stuff and see how it comes off, or do tell them you're doing new stuff and see how it comes off. Yeah. If you tell them you're doing new stuff, they, they give you more room to breathe. You think so? I think so, yeah. <clears throat> because you know they they don't laugh and you go, well, you know, you, you knew you knew what I was about to do. So yeah. there's no point in you know. And then the other train of thought is, don't say that because then there you might get a false positive or a false negative. Yeah. So Whatever way works for you, but I find like that if if I go sort of and go I'm going to try some stuff and see what happens after I've done a joke so I'll do something I know works first and then I'll go I've had I've have, I've been thinking about some stuff lately so I'm going to run it past you and then I'll without saying here are some new jokes. Right, okay, yeah. You know, I'm going to run this stuff past you. No, I mean, I don't don't take this for me as this is is a good idea because <laughs> I you know, I don't, I don't I'm I am holding I'm not holding myself responsible <laughs> for this because it may not work. Um it works for me sometimes, works doesn't other times, but I'll go I'm going to run some stuff by you and I'll just say these random things no links yeah. to them. Some will come off, some won't, and I don't need I don't feel like I if the gig doesn't go well, I don't feel bad about it because at least I go, well, I've tried those jokes, they don't work. Yeah. I can push them away and maybe look at them another time yeah. and now I am room for some more. Whereas if I'm getting doing the same stuff at the five minutes every time and I'm getting laughs every time, what am I learning? Yeah. For me, stage presence was never an issue. Yeah, because that's... I'm, how long Not saying, by the way, that <laughs> I've got this amazing <laughs> stage presence, but I never felt like I had to work on it because yeah. I had done so much stage acting for so long that... Do you think that helped or doing the stand-up because I've met a few stand-ups that
0: have done a gig. They've done really well and I said, oh, how long have you been doing? And they go, oh, this is my third gig. And I'm like, "What, what? And they said, oh, I was an actor before. So I've seen that. I think that's helped them initially but then they need to break out of acting their set
1: yeah so which then, is exactly what i was say exactly what i had to do so yeah. i had this this script that i was trying to act the set and yeah. oh and i'll give a little nod here and then i'll give a thing here and i go that's not how it works yeah those things come naturally and i think organically and you find those bits in the set that you go that's going to work or maybe i'll do this now maybe i'll try this and then you can keep them in i mean there's definitely some stuff you can write in and i think because I did the show I did in Edinburgh, the, the scripted one, the, the play I did, I didn't speak for the whole play. So I was silent the whole way through that. Ah. So I did everything with my face. So I know I can do that. Yes. So I know I can get, like, when, when we did that gig, um, the. How do you pronounce it? Lurgus? Lurgushaw. Lurgushaw, right? I, I, was, <laughs> I looked at Lurgus Hall. Never mind. When I did that, like, I did. When that lady was just laughing and she said, I've had a drink. And I said, uh, we all know you've had a drink. <laughs> yeah. And then I turned to the audience and I just gave them a look. And you can't see it on the video because my face is sort of overexposed. Yeah. And that got a huge laugh. And I think it's because I've got kind of a putty face sometimes and I can move it around and do things with it. Um, That's what I'm trying to work on is doing facial stuff. But
0: I think, because I haven't done it really much because I think no one yeah. can see it. But yeah. people in the front can. Yeah.
1: And I think it probably just ripples backwards a bit. But I, think that, I think, you know, let it come to you. But I mean, in your question about acting, I mean, I'll, I'll throw it back Back to you because you did the course with Ben Keenan, yeah, and you've had him on here before, yeah. And Ben is an actor, yeah. I think his not you can tell he's an actor, but I think he's got great stage presence because he has confidence in his stage presence yeah. already. So I think you know it answers the question. As long as you don't, as long as you know that you're doing two different jobs, I don't. I think it it is a real help, yeah. Yeah, because I'm I find it takes
0: me about four minutes into the set before I'm actually right. I'm comfortable now. Let's yeah, to get on with it, and then. Right off. Yeah. Because I've only got five.
1: Well, I mean, what I try and do, I, I can't remember who, who gave me this tip, but I always try and tell a joke right at the beginning that looks either looks like I've just come up with it or is about the venue or is about something that's already happened in the night or about yeah. this or about that. And then once I've done that joke, I almost can gauge where not where to go next, but then I, I feel relaxed instantly. Yeah. Usually when I get the mic in my hand, I feel relaxed, to be honest. It's just walking up to it. So I think because I'm used to being on stage... It, it doesn't really bother me. Yeah,
0: because I've only done 50
1: gigs, so it's not, I haven't, like my analogy
0: of the working day, so 50 gigs, five minutes each, is like, it's not even the end of the day on my first day of work. That makes. Oh me- yeah, I remember who you say that. Yeah, 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 so still, it's still Monday, maybe Monday afternoon, yeah. I know where the coffee machine is, I've had lunch.
1: Yeah, whereas I've, I suppose I've done hours and hours of theatre. Yeah. You know, two, three hour long plays on stage. and. Yeah, so you've got that, yeah, I used to
0: be in a band, so I've been on stage a lot. But yeah, me too. Yeah. just playing guitar, yeah. looking at my feet. Yeah, I know. What you mean.
1: <laughs> I think that is that funny thing about you know looking at mu- music and stuff is that you've got you know with music I guess you can sit in your room and you can play guitar all day until you're good at it and then go yeah. show people. But yeah. and I think if you look at comedy as a way, of, I can sit in my room and write for ten hours. Um, but I don't know if any of this is going to work until I go and say it to somebody, so the more you do that, the better. Exactly. I mean, and I'm, I, I can hear myself talking as if I'm somebody who knows what they're talking about. But I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm as in the dark as you, I think, about a lot of this. But this is what I've seen that's been helping me get further. Yeah. Oh, and the other one is picking and choosing your gigs, I think, is important. I'm just doing anything at the moment. That's, I think that's great. But I, I don't, I, w- I wouldn't, I'd never turn anything down. No. But... But uh, you know, actually, that's that's the wrong thing for me to say. Is that not picking and choosing my gigs? It's more knowing the difference between gigs. Right. Yes. Yeah. So when I'm going doing like a walk up for five minutes, I know what I'm there to do, and I'm there to try some new stuff, try some things, change some stuff, see you know, see what works, see what doesn't. Still, do a good gig. I don't want to turn up to any blight, like, which may have sounded like I did earlier on. I don't want to turn up to anyone's gig and be terrible. Yeah. I still, you know, I still want everything to work. I'm only going to do stuff I think will work or at least have a vague idea it will. But then there's other gigs where I turn up and I go, I want to bring my 10 best minutes, even if it's none of the new stuff I've written in the last three months. Because if I do well in this, I can get this off the end yeah. of it and this off the end of it. So it's about sort of, they're not all equal. And yeah. knowing that really helps, I think. Whereas before I thought they were, I had to be on form they're like perf everything had to be perfect every gig and it's just not doable because if you do everything perfect you can't do anything new can you exactly
0: yeah that's what i've been struggling with at the moment just trying to f- just be better but you yeah. can't practice
1: it I and mean, all this all this stuff i'm saying sounds <laughs> like as i say I, i've got it f- you know i know what i'm doing but <laughs> when i'm on my own thinking about this this isn't the things that go through <laughs> my head the things that go through my head is you will never write anything funny again. I don't know why you're bothering to do this. These people are far more successful than you. You'll never get to where they are. You might as well give up now. That's all I hear all day long in my head. And on that bombshell. Yeah. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Have you got anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, actually. My Twitter account is at Sir Alan of Power. Um, oh, so if you keep an eye on that, when hopefully we get our Edinburgh venues, myself and Bisha K. will be putting details about our show up there, which the working title is Potato Potato. Right. Um, there's a reason <laughs> behind don't it, that we, don't need, we don't need to go into now. Um, but I will be in, um, I'll be a top secret comedy in Covent Garden on the 5th and 6th of March, I believe. Um, and I'll put, put the rest of the gigs up on, on the old Twitter say, as oh, and when please. they happen.
0: Nice.
1: Well thank you for coming in. Thank
0: you. It's been a pleasure and we'll see you next time. Yeah.